is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast. I am, of course, your host, Jeff Morton, and this is part of the CSG and MHS Network. Um, okay, a uh, little news and notes podcast. This will be a short one today. Um, everyone else has probably covered the uh, the Nuggets' ups and downs uh, the last uh, week or so. Um, they lost to the Knicks then lost to the Mavericks, then beat the Mavericks, then lost to the Pistons, and then went on a two-game winning streak, winning the against the uh, Thunder, and then um, who was the last team they beat? The Clippers, who were really beat up and weren't really playing a lot of players, but they, they did win two in a row despite the Nuggets going through their COVID issues. Uh, obviously, Jokic has been out. Uh, Murray's been out. Michael Porter Jr. hasn't had COVID. He's uh, uh, apparently, and we'll get to this in the second part, but he's had an ankle uh, slash heel contusion thing that he's been dealing with for a significant amount of time, unbeknownst to us until yesterday. We will get to that. Um, and uh, all this stuff is going on. Um, obviously, Bones has been out because of a non-quote of COVID illness. Um Aaron Gordon had it. It just really kind of ran through the Nuggets. So I'm kind of going to dismiss and take away the last five or six games. Um, they aren't really representative of what the Nuggets are, even the even the victories, um, considering that one of them came against a Clippers team that was barely fielding a team at that point. So and I'm going to not maybe I shouldn't say dismiss, but I'm not going to really pay much attention to it. Um, this you've got to deal with this Nuggets team as it really is. Um, and the last time we saw a fully healthy Nuggets team was when they beat Chicago. Um, oh God, a couple of weeks ago now. And um, that was, you know, that was when Michael Porter, I think had like 31 points or something like that. He had a big night. Um, so that was really the last time we saw what effectively is a full Nuggets squad. Um, and so things have kind of been in a state of arrested development. The fact that they have won these games, a couple of these games is great. But some of these losses, particularly the Detroit one where Jamal Murray played about as badly as I've ever seen him play, um, was probably a result of him coming off COVID. And, uh, you know, some of these are, some of these were in good wins and some of these were terrible losses. So, uh, in total, it is hard to really take into consideration everything that came in. I, I guess everything and any, anything and everything and also nothing, you know, it, it, it's the whole stoop. There's, 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 you can like look at this whole thing and say, look, the Nuggets, um, the Nuggets kind of uh, were able to, uh, you know, muddle through and survive. But at the same time, they had a benefit of playing, you know, some teams that are compromised and the Clippers uh, and a not a very good uh, um, Thunder team that they beat on the second night of a back to back. You know, the same token, they beat they were beaten at home by a terrible Detroit team. Um, and so I don't know if they, they were blown out by Boston and all this stuff. There's, there's, there's things that, you know, are, this is part of a early season stew. Um, but at, uh, at, uh, 12 and seven, the nuggets are almost they're, they're you know, close to the, they're basically at the quarter point of the season. And you really can start taking away some considerations about the way the team looks and the way they approach the, the season, um, People have been wringing hands and concerned about the Nuggets defense. I will reiterate this, and I do not know why people don't take this into consideration. 
defense is a function of of moment and what you look for in a team and this is what this is what um teams that do all are like all defense like the why they end up not going that far in the modern age into the playoffs is is largely because they don't you get um um exhausted i mean that's why tibbs teams always tend to flame out um you get exhausted by what you have to do on defense um offense does not exert as much energy um the modern approach to defense and the correct way to approach defense is to um basically understand a moment understand when you have to turn it on um that doesn't mean you need to be a sieve and give up give up you know points all the time but it means you need to understand when you can when you need to turn it up um because when you get into the playoffs it will always be about moments because moments meet matchups and those two things more than anything else in the nba playoffs mean everything matchups and moments and the, and the ways you were able to step up defensively and offensively to get what you need to get done. Uh, I am less concerned about that in the regular season other than them just knowing where to go and what to do and where, how, and where to quote unquote, turn it up. And that's what they really need to focus on and not be the 93 Knicks. Okay. Because the, the league is not, not tilted towards that aspect anymore. One of my biggest complaints always about Michael Malone has been he he looks at points scored as defense, and that's just you can't do that anymore in this league. You need to understand that when you turn on the defense is when is those key moments, and your ability to do so is is the most effective thing. The process of the regular season is getting yourself to a point where you know and you have a routine and you know when you're able to turn up those moments. The 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 famous death lineup of the 2015 to you know 16 uh, uh, Golden State Warriors was uh, people forget about this. They, that was an offensive team. That wasn't that wasn't a team that smothered you defensively until they got to certain moments. The death lineup was that way because they knew when to turn it up. But if you go back and, and look, this team would just overwhelm you offensively, and they knew when to crush your will defensively, but it wasn't all game, right? And I think that was the formula for the modern NBA. That is really, that's how the, the Warriors set the formula for the modern NBA. Um, it wasn't, it's, it's no longer about playing um, crackdown, lockdown defense for an entire entire game which is almost impossible to do the way the rules are tilted towards spacing it really has made defense harder um so you have guys like bruce brown kcp aaron gordon um, guys like that on the roster in order to take advantage of those moments when those moments arrive but no team in the nba no team in the NBA is going to be able to play that way. I mean, the Boston Celtics don't even do that. In fact, the, the Boston Celtics, one of the biggest advantages they've had is that they've hit an inordinate amount of three-point shots for a team that really isn't set up to be a good three-point shoot, shoot, shooting team. This stuff tends to balance itself out as the years goes on. So as the year goes on. So I am not as concerned about that aspect. I am concerned about the Nuggets getting themselves 100% healthy by the time they reach the end of the year, which is why I am not placing a ton of emphasis on this last six game stretch, which was schizophrenic and really reflected the Nuggets having 
you know, people in and out of the lineup. Um, that just really isn't something that you can take a lot from um, until you get to uh, uh, the later in the season, really. And the Nuggets are coming up out to a stretch where they're going to be playing 20 of the twenty of their 28 home games uh, at home, finally, after playing the majority of their games on the road uh, up until tonight where they're playing the Houston Rockets on a on a on a double home uh, thing uh, uh, the next two games and uh, until then the Nuggets had only played six home games so by the by this stretch where they play the Rockets they're going to have played eight home games against uh, let's see they're eight and five so 13 road games um, and then they're going to play another two on the road. So it'll, it'll, it'll still be a way heavily balanced, uh, road, uh, section until the nuggets get about, I think two weeks from now. And when they're going to hit a huge stretch of home games, which will, uh, get them through December and parts of January, which will kind of get them in the opportunity to ex- expand out what they're doing. They're 12 and seven right now. They would p- should probably be 14 and five. Uh, if we're really going, we're going to boil down to it to some, some really bad losses that they have taken this year. Um, that loss against the Knicks was awful. That was one of the worst losses I've ever seen. Um, the Detroit one was owned to De- Jamal really go boils down to Jamal Murray, not being it was basically playing a lot of minutes and being terrible that entire stretch that he was on the court. That really was what that loss was about. Then they lost by two points. So um, when you when you readjust this, we are now at 19 games in. We are now at a point where um, we can start really, truly evaluating this team and start seeing where they are. And at this next section of 20 games, Uh, You're going to be looking for, basically, you're going to be looking for if this team can go from where they're at now with muddling through to being what everyone expects them to be, which is a good team. Um, uh, You look for Aaron Gordon to maybe start, you know, concentrating a little more on the defensive end. He's actually really stepped it up offensively, but you want him to be more of a defensive stopper. Um, you want to see KCP and Bruce Brown be more defensive players. Um, I'm really curious to see what Bruce Brown uh, is, is able to do with the second unit in 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 relation to Bones Highland. Uh, Bones has not had a great... He's had a couple of good games, but it has not been a great year for him. And uh, honestly, I think it would help him tremendously if he was able to have a player in that second unit that was able to help him out. Um, once again, special shout out to Vlako Chanchar, um, the Jokic's buddy um, segment of the of the Denver Nuggets. Um, I, I am not going to deviate from that. Uh, I know too much about the way this roster was constructed at the time. And Vlatko, for the longest time, was not necessary to this roster. In fact, did very little. Um, and then he got injured, I think, what was it, last year? So obviously it was uh, something that was, it was not high impact. Um, but to his credit, Vlatko has uh, stepped up and changed and uh, really been able to, specifically the last two games, be kind of more like a Mason Plumlee. Um, 
people have erroneously compared him to Jokic. That's a, he's more like Mason Plumley, a, a shorter Mason Plumley, uh, with a little more coordination um, and able to uh, do a little more than Mason was. One of the things that the Nuggets have missed since Plumley left uh, in 2021 was that Plumley was not able to duplicate what Ryokic was doing, but he was able to approximate some things the Nuggets were doing. And in the last, um, you know, and after Plumley left, it, it was hard for the Nuggets to replicate what they were doing with Jokic, and it made for two completely disparate uh, units between the second unit and the first unit. And now they are able to more cohesively put that together if they are able to consistently play Vladko Chanchar in a role that isn't necessarily trying to get him to be a superstar, but get him to play within that role. Um, and if he's able to fit into that role, it's it's all the better for it. And that's been more of a revelation that we have seen the last couple of days, um, games. Um, he has been able to step up and do that sort of thing. And, and I think that has benefited this team, uh, particularly the last two, two games when they've been severely shorthanded and they've been missing um, MPJ and stuff like that. So obviously this has been something that, that has been uh, to the benefit of the second unit specifically. And you hope this continues uh, uh, as more teams find out that Blacko can do these things and teams adjust to him. Uh, we're going to be able to see if this last two-game stretch hasn't been a bit of an anomaly. And, and if it's not, it'll be to the Nuggets' second unit 100% benefit. It really will. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. All right. Uh, on the other side of the break, we're going to be talking about uh, injury scapegoats and uh, various ways we, uh, we, we talk about things with some historical perspective in relation to coaches maybe having a whipping boy. So we'll be talking about that after I talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th and, Bl and Blake and Wazzy in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwdenver.com. Um, 2018 Cabernet is really good. I suggest you uh, checking that one out. Um, it's one of my favorites. And there's they've got some great... Um, Colorado partnerships uh, with uh, wineries from the Western Slope that you can pick up in in uh, the bar and you can actually get samples of in the bar, um, the wine bar in the the dairy block. It is there's some great stuff there. There's a light, very light Pinot Noir that's really good. Uh, if you want to just step in, uh, if you're at a lunch one day and you just you know you're having a one a one wine or three martini lunch, uh, have yourself uh, a glass of that Pinot. It's really light. You're not going to. Uh, uh, it's not something that's going to interfere with anything else. It's not heavy, and I think it's a great to you. It's, well, it's part of the Western Slope partnerships. Um, but they also got, you know, obviously the Blake Street Blend and, you know, all manner of whites and rosés and you, anything you need from your favorite wine bar in Colorado. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy blocks. And they're always online at bfwdenver.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, Tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. So back in 2009 and oh, I would say 2008, 2009, 2010, right around that area, George Carl used to uh, uh, take to the press to obviously talk about certain players. Um, you know, famously, he didn't get along with Carmelo, but he didn't go after Carmelo as much as people think he did. Uh, it's been... But Carmelo was the highest profile, but that wasn't 
George Carl's whipping boy. J.R. Smith was. Um, J.R. got most the, the brunt of George Carl's uh, angst for some for mostly legitimate reasons and some for just George being cantankerous. Um, but every coach has a, a, a guy that's going to be the focus of their their ire. And a lot of times it's because coaches uh, always have to have a guy who is the so like kind of like Doug Moe with Bill Hanslick. There's always got to be that guy who takes the brunt of the abuse. And I think that's just part of the uh, of the nature of coaching. Um, you know, Michael Malone certainly has had his and his in his history here with the Nuggets. But it's part of of just coaches. Because coaches, um, unless you're Phil Jackson or Greg Popovich, you're constantly in job, job preservation mode. So having a way to deflect is is valuable to certain people who are constantly worried about their jobs and stuff like that. It's just the human nature. Um, even Rick Carlisle had his, you know, and Car- Carlisle had won a championship. It's it's just part of the deal, um, you know. And I think, I, and just in my way, I think I've gleaned that. Michael Porter Jr. is probably Michael Malone's um, focus of his uh, angst at times. Um, I don't necessarily think he's a whipping boy, but I do think that Malone kind of uh, uh, shows exasperation uh, about uh, about Michael Porter Jr. that maybe, uh, I think, probably tips over the edge of, of what is uh, probably... Uh, um, you know, I wouldn't say right, but probably goes over what's necessary. Um, but some players need that sort of thing. And uh, I think that's just part of the thing. And I've been noticing that more and more around the league, how more of these coaches will just have a guy. I mean, Brian Shaw had Kenneth had Kenneth Fareed. Kenneth Fareed was his the guy that he constantly brought up that he was constantly upset about. Um, and, uh, it was one of those things you just couldn't get away. I mean, every post game press conference after the Nuggets lost, Brian Shaw would bring up Kenneth Reed just out of nowhere. Um, so it was, that was just part of the deal. And I think those, those, if you, you go through Nuggets history, obviously you say George Carl had, uh, he had, uh, uh, that. And I think, um, uh, Dan Issel had, uh, uh, Mahmoud actually Mahmoud he'd bring up, <laughs> Uh, and stuff like that. It's just it's just part of the deal. Um, the reason I think of this is that the the Nuggets. I have a, a significant amount of frustration with the way the Nuggets have been approaching their talking about injuries. Um, and Michael Porter Jr. has apparently, according to Michael Malone, been suffering from a uh, heel contusion slash ankle contusion uh, for a while now. So obviously that means prior to him going out, Tandy said was getting worse and worse. Well. With Mike, you can tell when he's injured. Um, just like last year when his back hurt, he couldn't make a shot. Well, suddenly, about right after the Chicago game, um, which is must be where he got it, uh, right after the Chicago game, uh, Mike suddenly couldn't hit a shot anymore. And we were all thinking it was because Jokic was out and he was trying too hard and all this stuff and Malone kind of kind of indicated well he's trying too hard and all stuff like that well it turns out Michael Malone, uh, that Michael Porter Jr has an ankle contusion and he's had it for a while then it has kept him out for now 3 games uh, if we're going to talking about tonight's Houston game um 
this is a big frustration because it, it paints a picture that is inaccurate. It's a, it paints a picture that doesn't need to be painted. Um, it, it basically uh, throws uh, someone to the wolves of, of the press and doesn't give everyone the full context. Much like the first nine games of last year and um, this that small stretch of games before Mike went out this year, maybe it would have been nice to know that Mike was had dealing with a ankle contusion because it it shouldn't have been we all have to think that he is struggling mentally and i think that is really unfair to michael porter junior it is unfair to him and i think this is more not done out of malicious intent from the nuggets i just think this is a very frustrating and very um, I think unfair appearing because once again, it, it paints a picture that didn't need to be painted. If we would have known that Mike was suffering from an, a heel contusion, then maybe we'd say, okay, yeah, that's why he's not getting this lift. This is why he's not doing, you know, such and such here. Uh, he was trying to play through it and we all admire someone who's trying to play through that sort of thing. But, I mean, honestly, folks, um, if we would have known if the contacts were there, we probably would have would not have been questioning him uh, after Jokic and Murray were out about the way he was playing. And I think that part is the the most frustrating part to me. It didn't need to be this way. It didn't need to look like this. And if we have the context, as those people like me who cover the team we would draw completely different conclusions if we had all the information. You don't even have to tell us what injuries is. Just tell us he's dealing with an injury. And then Mike was suddenly out um, two games ago. And finally, after two games, we get we get um, uh, over a, you know, Michael Malone finally says he's been dealing with an ankle contusion for a while. Like, come on, folks. This, it, it, this is, does not have to be this hard. And he compared it to Mason Plumlee's that he had in 2020, which I think Plumlee missed a significant stretch of games. I don't remember how much, but he missed a significant stretch of games with a uh, heel contusion. I mean, come on. We can do this better. And you can do it to where it doesn't affect negatively on the perception of a player. Like, I, I tend to be kind of biased towards Mike because I think he deserves a chance to to shine and show what he does. And I think we people have been picked on. He is picked on too much by both fans and media. Um, but if we have the context, maybe we wouldn't have people out there drawing erroneous conclusions about Mike's mental state. That's all I'm saying. And I, that is not a Michael Malone thing. That is a Nuggets policy, and it's been that way for years. And uh, it's frustrating. It really is frustrating, and it, it doesn't need to be that way. It really doesn't need to be that way. All right, rant over. Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast. I'll be back uh, soon with another episode. Goodbye.